0: This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. We're so glad that all of you are here this morning, and invite you to pull out your notes for today's message if you'd like to do that. And uh, we have talked in this uh, fall campaign so far about how God changes us uh, spiritually. We talked about how God changes us physically. Last week, we talked about how God changes us mentally, and we got kind of into the area of our thinking, that aspect of our, the mental change God brings to us. Uh, today, I want to talk with you about how God changes us emotionally. And we've been using a, a verse out of uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 there, where uh, we've used this as sort of our foundational uh, uh, launching verse for this whole series, where the Apostle Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, uh, one day Jesus was being confronted by some Jewish uh, religious leaders, and they kept constantly trying to trap him. One of the experts of the law, we're told, uh, came to him with a question. We find it in Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 29. Uh, and they they asked Jesus, "Which is the most important uh, commandment?" And Jesus said, "The most important commandment is this: Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord with all of your heart, your soul, your mind." And all of your strength. And then he said the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these two. So he was saying here uh, that the two most important things that you can do directly relate to your emotions. You see how love is, is interwoven in those two verses. And from that we learn that God cares about our feelings. God cares about our emotions. God cares about our emotional attachments. And there are a lot of things that you can uh, can commit yourself to emotionally. We all know that. We grew up in a very materialistic society. And so a lot of people are very highly emotionally attached to things and possessions. Some are highly emotionally attached to positions. Some are highly emotionally attached to... Uh, To money itself and, and so forth so it can be a lot of things that you can attach yourself to emotionally but for the follower of Christ Jesus said our greatest emotional attachment must be to God himself that's why we don't emphasize or talk about religion here we talk about Jesus Christ as our access to the throne of God As our access to God himself because our focus is learning to love God with all of our heart our mind our soul and our strength that's that's the thing that grips us as a church that's the focus that we have there are other things that are also important but that's the most important thing that we deal with as a congregation and then Jesus went on and said we express our love for God by loving one another within the body of Christ, and then also outside the body of Christ, people who are not believers, loving people in the world out there, and hopefully drawing them into a relationship with God. But the point that I'm trying to make here this morning is that emotions are important and they matter. Now, I think probably most of you would admit that sin has distorted our emotions. Sin has messed them up. They are not what God originally intended. None of us have an emotional makeup that God originally intended for us. So what was given to us, meant to be a blessing in our lives, has, has turned out for some people to be a curse because their emotions have become so twisted by their fallen nature. The perfect expression of love and of emotion is given to us and defined by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you know the scripture. It's oftentimes referred to as the love chapter because it defines love more succinctly than anywhere else. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged it does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out love never gives up love never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance but that perfect definition of love that's given to us there has been reduced and has been distorted in the fallen world in which we live and so Oftentimes, the word love is used to express something, but it's not real love at all. It's nothing like that. It, it oftentimes is lust. And, and it, can, it can oftentimes be used uh, as an excuse for ex- extreme actions and even perverse actions. And so that's the reason why we understand that God wants to bring healing to our emotions because we have... Uh, we have been given from a, a culture, a, a set of rules or a definition that is askewed and, and is twisted by, the, by the, the sinful nature that controls the world around us. Now, there are two emotional extremes that I think that we really have to, to avoid because they can hurt us terribly. And let me just give those to you uh, real quickly. First of all it would be the extreme of what we would call emotionalism emotionalism believes that emotions are everything. So for the person who is caught up in emotionalism, how they feel about something is all that's important to them. People who are like that base all of their decisions on their feelings. Now you can imagine what kind of trouble that can get you into. If you are totally emotion driven, that can mess up your walk with God. It can mess up your financial future. It can mess up your health if you're just basing everything on emotion only. Now, I have noticed through the years that some religions operate like that. A great service is oftentimes defined by Christians on the level of how worked up the crowd got. So if the crowd got really worked up and there was a lot of hoop and hollering and a lot of you know, expression and so forth, well, well, then God was in the house, and that was a great service and everything. But if the, the service was not like that, well, maybe next week. And there are believers who live that kind of, in that kind of emotionalism, on that kind of emotionalism. But there are also unbelievers who live that way. They, they usually can't hold a job uh, usually, their their marriages fail when you're just, just focused on emotion. Um, their kids are out of control simply because they approach life based on their feelings, how things feel to them. Their feelings are, I want to submit to you, their God. They become their God. I've had Christians tell me that if they don't feel like coming to church on any given Sunday, that they don't come to church because if they come to church and don't feel like coming to church, then they would be a hypocrite to come to church. It would be hypocritical to come to church if you don't feel like coming to church. Uh, I've even had Christians tell me, well, if I come to church and I don't really feel like worshiping the Lord, like maybe they had a fight with their spouse or something in the car in the way or some other circumstance going on in their life, and they come to church and they don't really feel like, like worshiping the Lord. Therefore, they're not going to worship the Lord because they don't feel like worshiping the Lord. And if they feel or if they, if they worship the Lord and they don't feel it, that would be hypocritical in, in, in nature. And that's how the devil lies to them. So I asked one of them one time, when, when, when you don't feel like it, do you still go to work? And they said, "Well, of course I go to work. if I, If I don't, I'll get fired." And it seemed to me that they're more worried about offending their boss than they are about offending God. I want to suggest something to you this morning if you've never thought about it. When you don't praise God, when you don't when you don't come to to worship service because you're not feeling like you don't praise because you don't feel like it, What you are really doing is elevating your emotions to a level they never should be elevated to. You are making them your God. Your emotions are controlling your life. And if you don't feel like it, you're not gonna raise your hand and worship God. If you don't feel like it, you're not gonna sing. If you don't feel like it, you're not gonna come. You're not gonna show up. And and when you do that, you're allowing your emotions to control you. They are becoming your God. What you need to do is put your emotions in their place and praise God regardless of how you feel because God is still worthy of your praise regardless of what's going on in your life. And w- okay. And when you do that, it's amazing how your emotions will change. You know, when you put emotions in their place, it's amazing how they submit. When you make Jesus Lord of your life and you say, I'm going to praise God even though I don't feel well. I'm going to praise God even though I got a bad report from the doctor. I'm going to praise God even though these situations are working out in my life the way they are. I'm going to give God praise. You know what happens? Your emotions submit to the actions that you take of giving God praise and they start to heal and they start to change. And before you know it, you have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory beginning to come out of your life, God has changed you because you have been willing to obediently give him praise and worship his name. That's how you get the victory. So don't let your emotions be your God. Now, the second emotional extreme I'd like to mention would be stoicism. Stoicism says feelings aren't important at all, so it's the exact opposite of emotionalism. And you see that in churches where everybody's scared to death to praise God with joy? Have you ever been at a church like that? They may have the name of Jesus on the outside of the church, but, boy, you better not in any way express any kind of joy or overflowing love to God. And they just sit there. People just sit there in those services like bumps on a log, and they kind of look good on the outside, but they're dead on the inside, kind of like whitewashed tombs. That's what Jesus called people like that. And they act, sometimes they act superior to people who praise God with joy and enthusiasm. They kind of look down their nose like we have an intellectual approach to God you people you 're just on the uh, on the level of emotions, and so they look down their noses at the joyful crowd and it 's so sad to see that now what I want to suggest to you is that both of these emotional extremes must be avoided because they will hurt you. What we need to be is balanced right in the middle between those two extremes where you have certainly at a uh, A mental and and uh, a a thinking ascent uh, unto God that you your your faith is thought through and thought out and it's not just emotion but you also have a deep love for God that expresses itself emotionally according to how the Word of God says that we should express ourselves unto the Lord so you're not out of control In your relationship to God, and you're not dead either. Both of those are extremes that you want to avoid. Now, two scriptures come to mind, come to my mind, that I think should guide this this whole issue we're talking about uh, as far as our praise to God. The first one is found in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And you know what the word stifle means: shut it down, control it. Put a, put a lockdown on it. Don't you do that in the, to the Holy Spirit. Apparently, the Thessalonian believers were doing that. They were stopping the flow of God's Spirit. And so Paul says, don't, don't stifle the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is God's word for the Stoic believer, the person who doesn't give much uh, uh, emotional expression unto God. But secondly, from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 Paul says, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So in other words... Uh, apparently the Corinthian believers had a very emotional kind of service to the point that sometimes it was almost out of control. And Paul says, listen, God's a God of decency and order, so make sure that your services reflect the character and nature of God, and that He, he you are worshiping God in a decent and orderly way, a proper way. And I think that's God's word for the hyper-emotional believer. Neither extreme should be a part of or control our lives so thinking about this whole issue of emotions and and God's desire to change us emotionally. Why is it that we need to have emotions healed and changed and transformed? I was reading some really good insights that were written by Pastor Rick Warren that really gave me some some fresh ideas to share with you this morning. And so I want to kind of tag off of some of the things that he wrote about and share it with you today. Number one, we need to uh, let God heal us emotionally because your feelings are often unreliable. Your feelings are are often unreliable. Now, my feelings are unreliable. I've lived long enough to learn that, and so are your feelings unreliable. They, they can lead you down the wrong path and into totally wrong decisions with your life. Now, when I was a, a, a younger pastor, a youth pastor, as a matter of fact, uh, Carrie and I felt after a couple of years being youth pastors, and we were in a little town called Greeley, Colorado, and we were in, in a nice church, a great church. We had a good ministry there, but we just really felt like we were ready to get out and and, and start our own pastoral ministry, you know? And, and I want to go heavy on the word felt. We really felt like this is what we wanted to do. So I went in and talked to the pastor about it, and we arrived at a, uh, at a decision as to what Sunday would be our last Sunday in that church and when we would go out and, and try to become... Senior pastor somewhere, you know, and so that day came and went, and now we're excited because we're I'm putting my our, my name out there. Uh, I'm ch- contacting churches that are looking for pastors and stuff, and, and and trying to maybe get an interview with the pulpit committee or the board of the church, and in hopes that they would say, Hey, uh, Jim Carrie, we want you to come and and candidate or try out for our church, maybe get elected as their senior pastor, and and so we were we were going after it for that summer. We were excited about it, and you know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) I mean, nothing at all. Nothing worked out. Zero, zilch, nothing. We traveled hundreds and thousands of miles hoping that this was all going to work out, feeling like we were doing the right thing, and none of it worked whatsoever. Finally, I get a call from a pastor in Denver. And this pastor says, hey, I, I, I hear that you're kind of looking around. Do you think maybe God still might want to use you as a youth pastor? We have an opening in our church. Would you consider it? We went out and interviewed, and we became youth pastors in Denver. So we had moved from Greeley to Denver. Uh, uh, that's about 60 miles. We had moved the long way. We'd gone all the way to Indiana. Moved through Illinois, Indiana, down through Kentucky, uh, into Missouri, back to Kansas, only to end up. We had gone thousands of miles to end up 60 miles away from where we first started, <laughs> doing exactly the same thing I had resigned from doing in the first place. And uh, that all happened because I felt like I was supposed to... to uh, to become a, a senior pastor. And obviously, I had missed God on that. Now, that doesn't mean that God was done with me or finished with me. It just meant that he had to teach me an important lesson about discerning the will of God for my life. So and we spent a whole summer running around and wasting our time. The point is, feelings are often unreliable. They're an unreliable source as an only source for determining God's will in your life you can end up broke you can end up broken you can end up both broke and broken Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death and I underline the word seems because that's that's a feelings word there's a way that feels right to us sometimes but it ends up messing us up every time when we follow that as our only source for determining God's will so don't trust your feelings they're unreliable The second reason we need to be uh, transformed in our emotions is that feelings can manipulate you. I'll never forget the young woman who came into my office one day when we were finally senior pastors. And um, she told me that she felt like, again, felt like God was calling her to go live with a man that she had just recently met who was not a Christian, and they were not married to one another, Uh, And she said, God is leading me to go live with this guy so that I can lead him to the Lord. Is it not amazing what, uh, what the devil will tell people and how gullible people are? And so I sat there with my mouth hanging open. I couldn't believe it that she was saying this to me. And, and so I began to share with her the scriptures, and I began to share with her my counsel. And, you know, it didn't matter how much counsel I gave her or how much scripture I shared with her. She felt that this is what she was supposed to do. She wouldn't listen. She was going to do what she felt, and she did. Well, about a year later, she's back on the threshold of the door, of the office door uh, of the church again. And so we welcome her in. Uh, hey, hey, how you doing? And, and in tears she starts talking to me about how wrong she was and how she had now messed up her life. And and we talked about it, and I shared God's love and forgiveness with her, and I led her in a prayer of repentance, and we welcomed her back into the church. But I will tell you this, she continued to live with the scars of that very poor choice based on feelings. What I'm saying is that your emotions are often wrong. That's why you need to be careful what you allow them to talk you into doing. I'll tell you this. I can go into a grocery store with Carrie and not be hungry whatsoever. I can walk in there and just be a satisfied, living off the stored up fat that I have, you know, just doing well. And I can walk into that grocery store and I'm bombarded with these sights and these smells. And I mean, I don't know, a demon comes all over me or something. Uh, and I just start grabbing stuff off of, the, uh, off of the shelf and filling up that cart. And Carrie says, what do you got pampers in there for? We don't, we don't even have a baby, you know. And I said, you never know. You never know what might happen. You know, and so I'm pulling all kinds of stuff into that, into that grocery cart, you know, and, and I'm just filling it up. And I walk out, and that thing's just so full, and Carrie's just shaking her head. And you know why that happens? Feelings. <laughs> Feelings, you know? Or I can drive down State Street, and there's all those fantastic car dealerships going down. They have those beautiful cars. And I'm really doing okay in the car that I'm in and everything, you know? But before long, I'm all of a sudden starting to feel like I need a new car. I need something that I don't need, and I need something I can't afford. And if I'm not careful, feelings will talk me into doing something I don't need and I can't afford, and now I'm in in real trouble. Feelings can manipulate you sometimes right into poverty if you're not careful. Proverbs uh, 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. It may keep the rain off, but it doesn't keep the unwanted out. When, you, when, when your life is, if you have no self-control in your life, it's like, it's like you, you know, I would imagine when you left your home this morning to come here, you probably locked the doors. I would imagine when you pulled up in the parking lot, you probably locked the doors of your car. If you don't have self-control, it's like you got a car sitting out there with the windows down and it's unlocked and the keys are in the ignition and you got a sign right up on the top of it that says, rob me, steal me, please, take it, will you? You know, now some of you have a car that probably that's what you do need to do with it, you know, <laughs> get, get rid of it, you know, take it, please somebody, you know, but, but for most of us, we would realize that is foolish and, and that would not be a, the, the thing that we should do with our lives and we wouldn't want to do that. But, but the proverb verse here is saying that when you live your life without self-control, you're just exactly like that. You're setting yourself up to be manipulated and fooled and brought into disaster. So uh, uncontrolled feelings will destroy you, will manipulate you. All right, the third reason you need to let God change you emo- emotionally is because you want to please God with your life, amen? amen? You want to please God with your life. So emotions are very unreliable and, and like we've already said, they can manipulate you into doing things that you uh, don't want to do, they're hurtful. And they're harmful, and you know that that's not God's will for your life. But because the truth is, only in pleasing God is there real satisfaction in life. Now, that's what brought me into a close relationship with the Lord when I was young. I, I fundamentally knew this, and I, I believe it was a gift that God placed in my spirit, that if I was going to be happy in life, I, was gonna, I would need to live my life God's way. And that's what I'm saying that when, when you have a sense of a desire to do what God wants you to do, that will set your life up for blessing. And when you, when you desire to please God, it will set you your life up for blessing. So it's only in pleasing God that there is real satisfaction in your life. When you're getting manipulated by your feelings, that's letting your emotions control you. And God can't rule your life if your emotions are ruling your life. Does that make sense? If your emotions are, are controlling you, God's spirit won't be. So Paul says over in Romans 8, verse 6, letting your sinful nature control your mind. All right, now, sinful nature here, we're not just talking about sinful deeds. We're, he says sinful nature. That is your 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 your, your emotions, your feelings. Letting your your fallen nature emotions control you leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace so the point is you can't please God if your emotions are dominating your life and are running your life because your decisions will be based on what your feelings are telling you not on what God or God's Word is telling you now the fourth reason to let God change you emotionally is because you want to succeed in life. If you want to be successful, you have to learn to manage your moods. Can I say that again? If you want to be successful, you've got to learn to manage your moods. This is what I've observed in life. People who don't manage their moods nearly always end up hurting their careers, hurting their friendships, hurting themselves spiritually, even hurting their own physical lives. You'll never fulfill God's plan for your life if you don't learn to control your emotions. In fact, it's interesting that studies have found that your EQ is probably more important to your overall success in life than your IQ. Your EQ is your emotion quotient. And it's more important to the overall health and satisfaction of your life than your IQ is, your success in life. Your EQ is how well you control your emotions and your moods and how well you relate to other people. That's extremely important. Listen to what Proverbs 5.23 says, people get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. That's a very heavy price to pay for letting your emotions run wild in your life. The Apostle Peter tells us that this is the way to success. 1 Peter 4.2 From now on, then, you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires, including your own human desires. If you don't let Jesus transform your emotions and bring healing to them, you'll never fulfill God's destiny for your life. Now I'll just tell you here as I wrap up. When I was, uh, when I was younger, I struggled intensely with, um, e- with getting emotionally offended. I, r- I really got offended easily by people. And um, when, I, when I went into the ministry as a young man, a lot of the, that same struggle was in me. I got easily offended at people, and there were times that I wondered if it was going to be the undoing of me, in terms of ministry, that I would not, that I would not succeed in ministry, or I would not be useful to God in ministry because my emotions would ruin my relationships with people, because I oftentimes got offended at people. So I wondered if I'd make it as a pastor. Well, one day as a youth pastor, uh, I went out to do what we call shut-in ministry. Now, some of you know what that means. Uh, people who are in, uh, not so much hospitals, but people who are like in nursing homes or care facilities and so forth, and they're always there. They can't get out. They can't come to church and so forth. And, and so I, I went out to do some visits on people who were in those kind of, kind of facilities throughout the Denver area and the reason i was doing it is cuz the pastor i was working with at the time was very ill he was in the hospital and so in his place i went out to visit some of these folks and i'll never forget sister rose sister rose was probably about 90 years old at the time but she was as spry and quick-witted as you can imagine you've you've seen some of those types of people she was just really incredible and she also had great wisdom and so as she and I were talking, I just felt, you know, I'm going to share with her how some of the people in that church had hurt me, had offended me. And so I, I decided, and, and I just opened up and, and started sharing with her different things about what was going on, how, how my heart had been wounded and hurt and offended over this. And I, I kind of thought, well, man, she's, she's got all this great wisdom, so she'll be able to tell me what the best approach would be where I could get back at them really good, you know, so that if, if they offended me, I'd have a great comeback for it, you know. That's kind of what I was looking for from her, but she did not give that to me at all. I will never forget this as long as I live. So we're sitting there, and she's in the bed, uh, uh, the nursing home bed, and she looks at me, and she says, you're too sensitive. She points her finger right at me like that. She says, you're too sensitive, you know. Now I'm really offended. You know, <laughs> you, you're, you're too sensitive. She says, if you don't get over this and toughen up, you are never going to be useful for the kingdom of God. And, and I walked out of that room, and I was kind of blown away. I had hair there then, so it was kind of sticking straight back, you know, and, and I felt like, whoa, I've just been worked over. But, but as I get in the car and I drive off, I realize that she's right, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to me about it, and, and, and so I decided I, I have to toughen up. Now, toughen up to some people means that they, they build walls around themselves and they don't let anybody in, and that's how they deal with it. And that's absolutely the wrong way to deal with that. What it meant to me was instead of allowing people to offend me or when they did offend me, I would, I would take it to the Lord and seek his grace and his strength to help me overcome that and to learn to, to get stronger so that those kinds of things couldn't blow me out of the saddle, so to speak. And, and so it, I, I will tell you this, that it didn't come automatically. It wasn't like one prayer and everything was changed. But inside of me, I started becoming gradually more and more controlled by the Spirit instead of by my own spirit. And, and God was able then to use me because of it. And, and, and I will tell you that I believe had I not done that all those years ago and allowed the process to begin, I do not know where Carrie and I would be in ministry today or if we even would be in ministry today. The devil will use whatever he can to trip you up and destroy you. And, the, and we, most of us have plenty of ammunition we give him because of our fallen nature we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to take us beyond that so that God can use us. The point is, you've got to deal with that in your own heart, that tendency. You've got to deal with the 119th Psalm. says, get this, you want, you want one that will really smack you between the eyes? You read the 119th Psalm this afternoon, and you'll, you'll find out I, I, I'm, I'm correct. Read in the King James Version. It says great peace have they who love thy law and nothing shall offend them. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.